And welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we got somebody who I've looked up to for a long period of time. Glad to have him on the show. Somebody who is a man of many talents. And I guess it's fair to say refuses to be pigeonholed in any one thing. He's not a shut up and dribble or shut up and backpedal type of dude, but none other than Malcolm Jenkins. How you feeling today, man? Doing good, brother. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, for sure. We usually start each one of our shows by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. But you're recently retired from what was a story hall of fame maybe ish we'll see i believe so uh 13 year career in the nfl so instead of walking us through your career i want you to reflect on your time in the nfl how did you sustain for 13 years when the average is only a few years and what will you miss most about that time yeah i think the things that helped me sustain was just you know a drive you know really a change throughout my career and i talk about it Throughout my memoir, you know, early on, it was just about competition and wanting to see how I stood against the best in the business or the best I could find. Uh, and then eventually that changes to, you know, wanting to be the best and trying to consistently win and have success. And then eventually you really start to think about impact and, and, and who are you affecting around you? And I talk about really being driven by affecting my community, by affecting my teammates, the people who interact with me set my family up to to succeed as well and so you'll see that journey kind of throughout and that's really who i've been now um even out of the game really thinking about ways to take um all the lessons i've learned over the years and apply that to my family community and businesses how closely and we're going to get to this book because i'm excited about talking about what winners won't tell you lessons from a legendary defender which you were uh, you played it. I, I don't know. I, you might have got ejected a few times with these new rules because you play kind of, you know, you you play with your with your pants on fire. Uh, but but how closely do you think the next chapter of your career will involve football? I ask because some of the guys leave and do TV or coach or go to a front office. We see some guys, you know, um, turn into entrepreneurs and we see some guys run for office like Colin Alderick. One of the things I can say about you is that you are you have the ability to do all of them. <laughs> Um, so what is the next chapter for Malcolm Jenkins? Yeah, I think right now I'm resisting that urge to go back to the game, you know, in those capacities. I could definitely, you know, be a coach. I don't want to put in the time that coaches do. I just want to spread the knowledge, you know, and I look at commentating. I love to talk about the game, but I don't really care about the entertainment piece of it. Uh, and so I'm looking for a unique opportunity to use my voice and that's in storytelling. So writing the way I just did this memoir, um, that was a, a unique experience. Uh, and the art space is one that's really got my attention. So I'm inspired more uh, by guys like Michael Bennett, who have transitioned out of the NFL and is now a full-time artist. And have kind of started, you know, the building blocks of something new to become great in a whole new field. Those type of things inspire me. And so I do think you'll start to see that same voice and, and, and versatility that I had in my game, that I had in business, really be expressed through some of the creative verticals through my production company, Listen Up, and through some more uh, writing endeavors. You know, I only think, and I'm, I'm biased because I call him my little brother, uh, but but Stefan Gilmore is literally like my little brother. We talk all the time and and we we kind of came up together when we both didn't have a lot of money. I, re I remember I was the first person to take Steph to a a, uh, a Ruth Chris, but that's another story. So I, I think there's probably only one other one other defensive back who has a claim in the NFL right now for the Hall of Fame, and that's maybe Jalen Ramsey on a good day. Talk about what you see right now in the league. Just give me your 
non-entertainment, plain perspective on people playing defensive back. Because right now I think Steph is probably the only Hall of Fame defensive back, and Jalen Ramsey's probably a far, 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 far distant second. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is just a change of guard. You know, the names that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last decade uh, are, are the old guys now on their on the back end of their career. And now we've got new guys, you know. Oh, I forgot about Patrick Peterson. I did to your point, I forgot he's still in the league. Yes. There's a, there's a couple there's a couple of the guys that are really, you know, putting the finishing touches on their careers that I think when we look back will be some Hall of Fame guys. And everyone else is like in the middle of forging their own name. You got the new guys like uh Sauce coming out of New York with the Jets had a great year. He's one of those players. And there's a few others that are that are building their legacy. But I do think you know, you probably feel what I felt is like the, my generation is now starting to retire, starting to get a little older and phase out. They're not the household names anymore. And you're like, what's happening to football? But really what we're seeing is just a new generation of, of athletes. And, and I love it because they're playing the game in a totally different you know, manner than we did. Speaking of, of kind of changing the game and everything and legacy, talk about the work of the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation and how will retirement allow you to commit more work to the foundation. I know when people say they retire, they think they're gonna get more time and then you just found out with more shit to do. But <laughs> how are you going to finish and do some more work with the foundation? Yeah, I think you know my biggest thing is not trying to put more on myself, but really just scale on what we've done. And I think the foundation is a great example of how I've been able to empower my team. My mom is the president of the foundation. Gwendolyn D. Jenkins, she really, you know, takes the visions that I have and uh, brings them into manifestation. Like she's the one who's making all the connections and building it from just an idea that we both had back in 2010 to now uh, a foundation that services uh, communities over four states in Ohio, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, giving away thousands in, in food and, and uh, other materials and, and clothing drives giving away scholarships, and now our, our focus is on financial literacy, making sure that we empower these, these kids who are in our programs, not just when they're with us, but giving them tools that actually change their own communities and, and have some ownership in their lives. So Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins didn't just show up and buy a bunch of car washes, what you're telling me. <laughs> you're right. You know, it's, it's not about just, you know, being able to have success myself. Um, and I've learned this kind of in this team sport. It's, it's not enough to just win by yourself. It's like, who else are you setting up um, to win alongside of you? Who else are you leaving those breadcrumbs to, to to empower with? And that's kind of where the impact is. That's where the, the, the growth exponentially can happen is when you do take the time to educate those behind you. That's important. Now, you came on the show for a reason, not just to talk about football. I could talk about football with you all day. Uh, and we can talk about how the Cowboys on the upswing, but that's another story. But let's talk about your new book, What Winners Won't Tell You, Lessons from a Legendary Defender. Why did you write this book? And, and like, I mean, the, I, I get the title, but, like, why unpack the title for me. Yeah, I think what I wanted to showcase, I, I think about my kids. I think about, you know, people in, uh, that are in a generation under me who look up to me. And I thought it would be a disservice for them to only see the accolades, um, you know, and, and the, the rewards that I've gotten for the work I've done. Um, people are trying to replicate that work. And sometimes people either feel that, that the distance between themselves and greatness is so far that they don't even attempt it, uh, or they attempt it with no idea what they're getting ready to face. And they, 
you know, hit the same landmarks or landmines that everybody else before them hits. And so for me, I wanted to take my career, my life, uh, and not only talk about those type of moments that everybody's seen, uh, but also lay the foundation for who I am as a person, the experiences that made me me, the, the trials that I've had to navigate. Uh, and what you'll see, and what most winners don't tell you, that there's so much failure along the way. There's so much ordinary things, <laughs> so many ordinary things that make you great. Um, it's just about these particular moments where you've either, you know, didn't give up, uh, or you figured out a tool to manage your anxiety, your stress, your finances, your family, uh, and, and really close that gap, that chasm between what we believe to be uh, greatness and uh, winning. You know these born winners and realizing that it's just a process. Uh, it's a it's a process that everybody has to go through. It's lessons learned and and things we can take away from it. I hear you, but you probably still were more athletic than ninety seven percent of the general public. I mean. If you, it, oh, yeah, yeah but, but like anything else, like natural talent only gets you so far. It only gets you so far. I just don't want nobody five five out here talking about, yeah, I'm about to be a small forward in the NBA. Like, let, let's. Yeah, no, no, it's one of those things. <laughs> one of my chapters is called self count. It's like you have to understand your own gifts and limitations. <laughs> so you don't go against what God gave you, you know? Amen to that. Who's the audience for the book? Now, you know, I've written a couple of books and. One was a children's book that was easy from the adult book. It was like, I wanted black women to read it. And then you realize that that was kind of too narrow and everybody began to read it. But who's the audience for the book? And even more importantly, what do you want readers to understand about it when they're finished with the book? Yeah, I think the book is for, you know, I want to say everyone, but I wrote it in a way in which it's relatable. Football is one that brings, it's an event that brings a lot of people from a lot of backgrounds and different age groups and gender to the table. So I wanted to speak to all of them, even those who don't, aren't familiar with the sport. All of us understand what it what it means to have to reinvent yourself. All of us understand what it's like to come against failure and fear and have to. And what I do is showcase how I persevere through those things, uh, the pitfalls. And so people are navigating that. They're first generational uh, college students or people with wealth in their family and are trying to deal with how to leave your family without the tools <laughs> and the stresses that come with that. I talk about single fatherhood and, and, and the struggles of trying to make marriage work. There are so many things that I've experienced an entire you know life. It's not just on the football field, but life in general, that I think are important lessons and can meet people where they are. So I think this book is truly for anybody who's looking to understand what it looks like to uh, live a life outside of the box to stretch yourself uh, further than you think you can go to persevere, to grow every day and to lead, uh, live a life that is worth sharing a story. You know, one of the questions that I ask people when I've had a lot of authors on the book, you're coming about a week after uh, my new good friend, Jada Pinkett. I don't yeah. think your book is like worthy at all, but if you got some, some good spice to share in it, let me know. But uh, one of the things that I asked everyone from Cicely Tyson to Jada Pinkett to now Malcolm Jenkins is how did this book or writing this book change you? Yeah, it changed me a lot. Um, I think it allowed me to even understand the connective, you know, the connectivity points between things I've experienced in my childhood and, and how they make me who I am now to think about all of the critical moments in my life. And then, whittle it down to really the the most impactful moments and lessons that have stuck with me you know through my entire life and you start to see that i've been really operating in this 
in my own being kind of the whole time is just waiting for like the awakening or for me to see things the right way. And that's a big lesson that I wanted people to see in it too, is that most of the time our anxieties and our our problems or the solution to those problems is us. As long as we look at it that way and begin to think about how do we develop ourselves daily? How do we stay focused? How do we have poise when we're up against adversity? How do we you know, stay in the grind in the process when we're doing well? Uh, and, and all of those things are just you know, what we experience every day. And being able to contextualize that gave me my own set of um, kind of mantras and things to think about now that I'm transitioning out of sports and I've lost the sense of identity, you know, that I've had since I was seven years old. I've lost the structure of sports and, you know, the, the natural adrenaline that you get. And I find myself falling on a lot of the things that I wrote. And so I wrote this, you know, this is like building the plane kind of as you're flying it. Uh, yeah. So you, you're seeing this in real time yeah. uh, as you read it. You know, one of the things that I, I feel like black men probably should have done better was like how old are you now malcolm 35 okay so i'm a i'm 39 so we're in the same kind of age group but i wish there was a group of like 50 year old black men that gathered us together and let us know how difficult being married was and how difficult raising kids was yeah yeah, like they just they just were like, yeah, go out and get married. And we did it. We were like, and then you got to go, oh, shit, this is like a full time job. Wait a minute. I got to deal with this every day. Like have a kid. Like, wait a minute. No, I didn't know. Talk to me about balancing fatherhood and providing for your family. Like you got to come home and take naps. Like you need massage. Like you got to. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's your one of those things. Yeah, I talked to my, my parents recently and I was like, hey, you know uh i apologize you know i'm because i'm at the age now where they had me younger they, i think they were 30 yeah they were maybe 30 23 when they had me something like that and i'm like here i, I had kids when i was 20 something now i'm 35 and i'm just like wow okay i see what y'all were dealing with trying to have a life you know i didn't see that y'all were still young and had dreams and lives you wanted to live uh it is it's challenging but i do think it's one of those things that, that we do need to talk about it more because I do think there are so many things I know I've faced as a father that are new to me, raising two girls. You know, I come from a household of all boys. You know, there are questions I've had, you know, anxiety. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to go, go down this red table talk, Jada Pinkett path. And what you do in the past life <laughs> to get two girls? I mean, what you... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's definitely karma. Karma is living a better life. <laughs> I had to reinvent myself a couple of times. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, but, but I think those things, you know, are difficult. And I am finding a lot more uh, community, at least, with being open with those challenges. You're starting to see that more people are dealing with the same thing. Uh, and it's a different time. I think we're redefining masculinity. We're redefining, you know, uh, what parenting looks like, knowing that we have different opportunities than our parents had and generations before them. So it's all, you know, it's a bit of looking back to the old and and, and learning some lessons, but also finding out and paving kind of pathway to, to a new way of doing things. Just a couple more questions before I let you out of here. And, you know, one of the things that I thought about as you were going through this is you were very influential in the uh, kneeling and protest of the anthem. Do you write about that in the book and how do you frame it? Yeah, so I frame it in uh, from my standpoint, you know, so a lot of the things that 
I was dealing with at the time, you know, I was expecting as we were getting ready to protest and, and, you know, make this a public stance that we were going to get backlash from the fans and people who were against the, the narrative. Uh, what I didn't expect is the difficulties when it comes to uh, trying to organize, you know, and, and dealing with internal battles and strife. So I'll talk about the formation of the Players Coalition, um, how some of that anxiety of trying to lead that, that organization behind the scenes uh, was, was stressful while trying to still present a unified front. And then the ultimate split of that coalition, um, but also, you know, fast forward, you get to see big picture with some of the, the seeds of, of those being planted in those years, 2016, 2017, have now kind of blossomed into something bigger than we all have imagined. and. It's going back to really now framing that time period as a place where we needed to have poise, where we needed to uh, make sure that we kept the main thing, the main thing and stay focused uh, because we were laying a foundation for something much bigger than ourselves and, and the generation after us. Uh, so I think it's a great, great example and, and some time away from it now to look back at that moment and see in the midst of all of the media and the chaos, what was actually done and built. Uh, and I think people find it to be very special. You know, I got one more question before I get to my final question for you. Do you feel like your time was up in the league or do you feel like you were kind of pushed out of the league? Oh, no, I, I got up and left the league. <laughs> uh, so I, I left with two years still in my, under my contract. It was still $6 million on the table. How, how many? $6 million. Yeah, it was still yeah $6, $6 million. million. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're going to, in about five years, you're going you're gonna to be looking back yeah, at that. I, I still, yeah. yeah I was, <laughs> I, it wasn't a life decision. I still, you know, look at it like, ah, you know, you don't get that every day. But at the same time, I knew I had given so much to the game that the time that you invest into it is what I can get back. So I'm looking at how to be the best, you know, single father I want to be. And I need time to do that. Um, and so you start to kind of weigh all these balances. I want to be healthy. You know, I've been had a really healthy career. No major injuries. I still got my brains about me. I don't ache and pain, but I'm like, I want to, I want to stay that way. Right. I don't want to keep pressing that bet. And I just really felt like um, I was more afraid to not play football than I was to play. And when you're in that space, you're not growing. And I've been trained to believe that if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Uh, so personally, I just felt like it was time for me to move on and do something uh, challenging and get to that next phase of life that will inevitably come when the game's over. How can people find the book? Where can people buy the book? When is it on sale? Give me all the per important details. Yeah, so it's been on sale. It's been on now for about two weeks, but you can go to whatwinnerswon'ttellyou.com and see we're doing still doing some event tours, book signings. You can order the book there. We got an audio book, the hardcover. Got it all for you. Uh, but yeah, definitely whatwinnerswon'ttellyou.com uh, to see it all. How can people follow you on social media? At Malcolm Jenkins. Very, very simple. At Malcolm Jenkins on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> hey, brother. Thank you for joining the Bakari Sales Podcast. It's been illuminating. Next time I bring you on, we're just going to talk football all day. I got a bunch of thoughts, and I ain't played football since I got hit by John Alfred in eighth grade, and they had to bring the ambulance out to a couple muscles in my back. But that's yeah, a all of us got a, got a John Alfred story. Uh, me too. <laughs> 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 all right, brother. Peace. I love you. Thanks, man.